podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house. Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses, zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Howells, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every once in a while. We're going to be getting into our offseason here soon, but we are covering basketball and football primarily. Every podcast is somebody's first. So if this is your first, thanks for joining us. Stick around. Appreciate the support. Thanks for joining us here in Bearcat <laughs> country. Let's ride. Let's ride. And let's ride um, straight into how we can explain ourselves into a quality loss against Houston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do that. Uh, Houston, it was, I wouldn't say it was a beat down. There was that the Bearcats were in it for a, a, a good part of the first half kind of, and managed to kind of pull it together. And then once, once, once we let up, like, what was it? A six Oh eight Oh run. Like the game was over after that. And that was going into Pretty the much. Half. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it's. <laughs> I think it's it's par for course. Yeah, 72-59 final score. Uh, So in my progression standards, uh, we kept it the same score as it was last year. So not not horrible. You know, you're still (laughs) progressing. And uh, they are now the new number one team in the nation, and they've stayed one or two in the net in Ken Palm all year. So, um, you know, I I, I can't get too demoralized. as my usual post-game self is after a loss, I was demoralized. If you if you joined us for our spaces on Sunday where it was myself, Coomer from uh, Cincy Slangin' and uh, our guy from Go Beercats, uh, we, we were all a little bit upset about it. But um, if I think about it and just, just take a step back, um, you're not going to win many games where David Julius and uh, Jeremiah Davenport aren't really able to produce. I think it's like yep. every game where they haven't combined for 20 points, we've lost or something. Um, <laughs> I have to do more research on it, but um, it, because I don't want to read the game logs because uh, that's not very enticing radio. Um, but I, I do think there is something, you know, about uh, those two guys getting taken out. And obviously uh, Mike Adams Woods had a great game, almost had 20 points and Victor Lockett. Fantastic game. Second half. Yeah. Very efficient and, too. I tweeted out uh, in the first half as well about Landers Nolly. You know, I've, he's only been here for, uh, you know, uh, 17 games, but I would die for Landers Nolly. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, but, um, you know, it, it, it was just another thing of, you know, they, they got a, Houston started getting on their runs and it was kind of just 
all all she wrote you know and game before yeah. the line before the game was nine and a half and i, I took the, the the bearcats to cover that spread because of how well they played in the xavier game and how well that xavier game is looking in the back end and um what's funny about this justin is that here's my positive spin zone for you after this game i'm trying to be positive now on podcasts everybody i'm not trying to be negative anymore i'm trying to positive just keep Steve. the keep, keep the general good vibes going um so our net ranking went up to 100 after this game justin so you know we didn't it didn't tank us too bad and um I, another kind of positive thing too is that like if you go to bracketologist.com great site um really helps you keep up with you know like the quadrants which are really what the ncaa is looking at in terms of tournament tournament resume these days um there there are a couple more quad one win uh, quad one games coming up now because uh they've elevated UCF and Memphis um just because of their play recently so that's that's good for the Bearcats to get a couple more road games and a, a couple more high quality games on the schedule and that that resume just keeps going up it was really mm-hmm. uh, like rock bottom at the start of the season but it keeps going up so um while it was like last season it's it was up pretty high and then it just kind of went down the whole time but the hope is Justin that if they can get John Newman and Rob Finnessy back um, and mm-hmm. are able to share some of those minutes, um, you know, before the season ends, I think there is still a good chance that they can perform really well in AAC play as long as they don't have any more clunkers like they did against Temple. Yeah, definitely. I think I think this is going to be um, a huge thing going forward is just being able to maintain like a bottom line of beat the teams you're supposed to beat. I think yeah. if they can do that. We're going to be rock steady. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's not going to be pretty by any means, but if you can avoid the USFs, the Tulsas, the Wichita's, which we've done, thankfully, um, you know, and ECU, I think if you can avoid losing that bottom half and realistically Temple too, Temple's doing better in conference. They're three and one, but if you can avoid losing to the teams you're not supposed to lose to and... Yeah maybe win one here or there against the teams that you're not supposed to win against. I think they'll be fine. I mean, it's realistically, if we're, let's see, 11 and six going through, we're past the halfway point, but odds would tell you that over the course of our next 13 games, I mean, quick maths, that should be another, that should put us close to 20 wins. Which I mean, I would think if we got twenty wins, we've got a good shot. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it's 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 a improvement on last season. It's over five hundred. It's solid. I mean, there's there's clearly a lot to work on still this season. I think that's been the biggest thing is just getting the consistency. I think my only like glaring issue that needs to be resolved is that consistency from the players week in week out. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't want to harp on this game forever. I'm just going to read this off real quick. And I know nobody wants to read the box scores, but just on three point shooting, we had another game where Davenport went 0 for 7, which is rough. And the Julius went two for eight. You're not going to be able to win a game like that. It's just it's not happening. Davenport yeah. going one for nine to Julius two for 10. It's you, you. You cannot win games like that. And you need those your best players, your starters, which maybe not a starter anymore for Davenport, but you need your high minute allotment players to play that way. And, you know, it's, 
that's the only way you're going to win the rest of the season is you, you need your starters to play like starters and you need your bench yeah. to help you out. So, well, and then I think just another thing, like the, since, you know, since that temple game, um, Wes changed his lineup to putting uh, Odie in uh, and it worked, yeah. worked pretty well on uh, Thursday night against uh, Wichita state. Uh, we don't really need to talk about that game too much, but um, it worked right. pretty well. And then it just seemed to not really work. And, um, Odie just was not very effective on the offensive glass. He did have a couple of just wide open looks that he wasn't able to convert on and it's going to happen. I understand like Houston is a much better rebounding team than us. And um, <laughs> I take a little solace that we beat them in the rebounding battle, even though it was probably just cheap rebounds and they were <laughs> not like, they weren't getting many second chance points either, even though they beat us in that category, just because they were, it seemed like just in the second half, whenever UC would get close Houston would just cut to the basket or just find an extra man that was open and just make the shot. And it's like, well, they're not getting rebounds on that because they keep making the shot. They run the make shots off. So. <laughs> and they, but, they um, usually tend to as well. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think there is like, a, you know, there, there's something to like, they hold teams like 50, 51 points a game. So what you win, mm. like you, you know, you got 50, you scored 59. I think there's something to that. I don't really take any moral victories out of it, but, you know, I, again, I'm talking about that progression that really cratered in the 2021 season when you lost to Houston by 40 points twice. Um, and then, you know, you get, you've gotten better and it, the last two games are only in the teens, you know, so uh, <laughs> it could definitely be worse. Yeah. I think, I think one thing that I really like keyed on here too is, just being able to like make sure that we're efficient with our shooting too. I think that's been the biggest problem for the most part is just, again, we're still hucking up shots, but ultimately, you know, moving forward, there's, there, there's, there's enough to be hopeful about. It's not, it's not, we're not at a loss yet. There's the, yep. we're, we played Houston close enough. We did go on some good runs in that game too. And so, I mean, I, I think, there's some positives to take away from there. And Houston is just a world beater. Like if Houston's not in the final four this year, it is a, it is a losing season for them. Like it's that's, that's their goal. That's where they should be. Um, and actually the final four is in Houston this year too. Um, one side note that I wanted to mention on Wichita, just real quick. I would like to say that we have finished off Wichita in the roundhouse, losing one time out of our six games there. One time while we were in the American, I think that's great because Wichita I think that's had pretty a, good <laughs> that we can hold that on them for a long time. I mean, I don't know the next time that we'll be playing Wichita, probably not anytime soon, hopefully not anytime soon. And if it is, it better be in fifth third, but I don't know. I, I like that. And that's a good way to end that one off for Wichita. Speak of a program that's really kind of getting the shaft by all these football schools leaving like Wichita yeah. really thought like, I saw someone say the peak of their athletic program was joining the American and uh, it's uh, all gone to hell since then. So kind That's of funny. Kind of sad. I, I, I laughed <laughs> at that, um, but, but yeah, uh, I, I'm keeping track. And uh, other than Houston, we are, we have a winning record in basketball against every team in the American. So um, I'm going to post that at the end of the season uh, just for fun, but it's pretty cool. So, yeah. And, and then maybe we can win two against Houston to, to even that out. I don't think that's going to happen, but. Never know. 
So. We can hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next two games, just real quick, against uh, yeah. East Carolina, who has a first-year coach. Um, they're they're all right, but it's a home game, so I think the Bearcats should be able to take care of business. And then Saturday against SMU, Justin, did you know that they finally fired Tim Jankovic, or he he stepped they away? did. Yeah, I I was they just fired the at guy something. from Incredibles. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I wow. was I was I I was like looking at something else, and uh, I saw that. SMU has a new coach this year. When wow. did that happen? So, That's new to me. News to me. I'm here. RIP to Mr. Incredibles boss, Tim Jankovic, <laughs> um, and you and your floppy haircut. I hope you're doing well <laughs> somewhere. Uh, enjoying your nice large buyout from Southern Methodist. So, oh, I'm sure. Um, but I think that's UC's last trip to the Hilltop. Uh, not their last trip to Dallas because they'll be going there next year to play TCU. But uh, last trip to uh, the SMU part of town. The last time that I was in SMU's arena, uh, I got I got a handshake from George W. Bush and his wife. Or she was hand. totally incidental. I want to tell this for two seconds, and I'll get off of it. I promise. For those of you who don't have never heard that story, which I doubt that you have, <laughs> I was going in the media entrance, and all of a sudden, a bunch of Secret Service walks in. I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" And I turn around. And then all of a sudden, like I, as I go to walk out, they're like, you can't leave. And then I just see from behind one of these secret service guys, George W. Bush. And he's like, how you doing, son? And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I, I did not see this coming at all. Like there was no news, but you know, it's, it's the Bush family. They're, they're all over the place in SMU. So they have their Anyways, fun set library on the campus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Siri yeah, uh, was talking to me. George, yeah, George W. Bush, like he uh he showed up in like the uh the locker room because he was friends with Tommy Tuberville in 2014 when <laughs> like he's like, now I want y'all to play a good game. Uh, that's be, where it uh, started. That's yeah. where it started right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh then you see one 41 to three and uh didn't lose another game that year. So uh until the, the until the bowl game, but you know, bowl, bowls are exhibitions, they don't count. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> that's the company line, Justin. Stick yes, to it. It's the company line. Well, it's the company line. Speaking of company lines, something that has nothing to do with the company line, the transfer portal is buzzing. Uh, today, it just felt like my phone was blowing up all day. Like I kept trying to do something at work, and then just next thing you know, recruit, transfer, 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 transfer. And so Something about it today was going crazy. They all just decided to make their moves, um, which it's I think just is the interesting. Start of the semester, I don't it's think true. there's anything to it, and they they probably just wanted a new day where it wasn't like all about the national championship. So but that was a good that, point. Don't take any more stock in that uh, other than that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, national championship should addition. be played on a Saturday. By the way, agree. Well, of of course, I don't know why it's not. Um, notable addition: Daniel Grisak, defensive end, who had eight and a half sacks in 2022. Um, all editions, we could go through all of them, but, um, I'll just we'll say just it's go, a couple we'll go positional, yep. Position two yeah. linemen, a tight end, three wide receivers, defensive end, defensive back and a kicker. And the kicker Carter Brown looks to be pretty solid. Hopefully that is the case because, um, co co's done a great job arguably. And I, I think it would be important for us to be able to keep that kind of progress. The, the train, the train needs to be going uphill still and not start plummeting down <laughs> so hopefully yep. that'll maintain yep. there and the wide receiver additions i think are huge um because we yep. are going to be losing a lot of talent back there so filling that back in is going to be really critical yep for sure yep and yep. other uh, than that 
with the signees, yeah. a lot of other guys too, just filling in a lot of the gaps and looks to be a pretty good class. Yeah, there's a there's a couple guys who have been injured in the past, but you know, like a couple of those wide receiver guys are, are can be threats, and they're going to play right away in this offense because uh, mm-hmm. we don't have any other receivers. Um, <laughs> the the tight end who committed today, I thought was interesting because I think he caught like four touchdowns last year for Western Kentucky, and um, I, what's interesting too is that um, the our new general manager Jack Grant, who was at Ohio State last year, he was the guy that brought Bailey Zappi and like the tight end wide receiver and the coordinator he brought all of those guys from houston baptist to western kentucky for that one magical year so Mm -hmm. i think that's pretty cool that you know like uh, we have that guy now on the staff so uh, and then like we have like jack griffith who's going to be like i think taking care of the transfer portal we brought all these names up like a couple weeks ago but it is pretty cool to see how much was put into that support staff so and then uh, justin there was one more guy who you were listening to his press conference today uh, our new offensive coordinator Yes, Tom Manning. Tom Manning is the Bearcats' new offensive coordinator. From everything that I heard, I feel like he's a solid hire. Like it, it's just he seems like a sound guy who wants to be here. He's got Big Twelve experience. He's been in uh, Iowa State for four seasons, five seasons, something like that. Um, he's been around there for a while. Um, poked around, had some experience with the Colts as well. Um, all in all, like I think everything that I heard from him. It still seems like he's pretty fresh off the block here in Cincinnati. Um, So he's kind of getting to know the team um, and trying to figure out, you know, positionally who's kind of going to be where, maybe um, trying to figure out his depth chart and how players are going to be used and get a good, um, you know, temperature gauge on what the locker room is feeling like offensively. But (laughs) honey's doing her work. Um, But yeah, I think it's, I think he's, I think he's great. Like personally so far, everything that I've heard from him, like he was just very detailed. And I, I really like that. Um, for those of you who listen every week, you know that I am very detailed for better or for worse, usually for worse. And <laughs> I appreciate somebody who goes into detail and in explanations, especially for like press conferences. Cause a lot of coaches have sort of the coach speak where it's just like, ah, you know, it's, it's whatever. And one-off sentences and just explain their way around stuff. And I, I do appreciate that he tried to like, kind of give us his mindset on recruiting and, you know, on his scheme and, you know, his experience and, um, you know, as well, like why he chose to go to Cincinnati. He did mention too, that um, with coach Satterfield, he's like, he didn't really have to convince me. He's like, it's, it's a, it's a nice city with great people and, you know, it's Ohio. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he, I don't remember if he's an Ohio guy or not, but I think, think he might be i think he's a either a columbus or a toledo guy yeah but it's it's just one of those situations Although, where i think it's a good fit you know and i i'm not sure exactly um you know how much of that weight uh, offensively is going to be on him versus maybe on satterfield still i think that'll be time to tell but from his experience i think he shouldn't have any issue recruiting and shouldn't have any issue being able to run a solid offense. And it looks like we've got a lot of notable people to plug into some of these gaps that we're going to have to fill this off season. I think we should be okay. I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of newness around the program. Um, but uh, a one Jawan Briggs, if, if there's anybody who you want to just listen to that, maybe not as much, he won't, he's not the like run you through a brick wall type of guy. He is the, 
alleviate all your pains when you listen to him kind of guy. Everything that he said today was so like genuinely positive and so genuinely like just excited to be in the program with the coaching change. And on top of that mentioned, this will be his with um, our new staff. This will be his third defensive coordinator. <laughs> and he, and he still finds a way to be very positive about it and just about the program. And I think that that's a huge thing because we've touched on this before at the end of the day, it really is about the program, about the city, about the team. It's not about any one coach or individual. And I think that that's huge. And I, I really like that. Like the players are kind of adopting into that. And, you know, some of the young guys hopefully can read after that too, with some of the older veterans that are sticking around in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, like, Malik Van as well. That's right. I was, what I was, what I was just going to add uh, Malik Van announced uh, on our recording date of the uh, Tuesday, the 10th, that he is coming back to Cincinnati uh, for year six and taking his medical year. And um, I love that. Tom Manning is from Youngstown, by the way. So gotcha. football okay. city, great city. Um, but I, I do like the, I, I do think this D line could be something to watch next year. You know, you got Corleone, you got Briggs, you, you got Malik Van. All of these guys are coming back. And then, I mean, like Dominique Perry was, was big in parts for UC this year. I, I Jabari Taylor is leaving, but um, there are still a couple of young guys to be very excited about. And um, I, I could you imagine, this, I was just going to say, could you imagine this D line if Taylor was just still in this next year? I know that would yeah, be like but, literally an all American level D line. Like yeah. this is a very, very talented defensive line that we have. Yeah, seriously. And they, they, they have a chance to be legit good. Like I, I watch out for that D line, man. Like, I mean, it's been one of our, our big standout points from the past few years of the fickle defenses. We've always had like a decent to good, uh, to good, to great defensive line, you know, and then Bill, obviously you build out with the quarter cornerbacks from back there as well. But um, man, I, I really liked everything about like who's coming back so far and who's on the staff. I do think that there's some reason for optimism heading into the big 12 next year, even though like with all this turnover that's happening, I think the guys are recognizing that this is a chance for us to really like make our name as Cincinnati enters year one of the new conference. Yeah, definitely. And I just, I, I love seeing the buy-in from players. Like that's huge. I mean, I think that's a very easy thing for people to kind of let slip when so many things are, you know, changing. It's like, all right, just get a new garden, have a rough first year, get it over with, and let's go to year two. Like, I yep. I really hope that people, like mindset wise, aren't already skipping over year one because I think there is a huge opportunity. I mean, I don't, I really don't see us coming out swinging like a TCU did this year, where you've got a new coach, you've got a lot of change. You granted, you maintain a lot of great players, but I don't see how you. I don't see how you have that right out the gate, but I think you could still have a very successful season and who knows? I mean, we could, <laughs> we could be a less than 500 team. We could be in the big 12 championship. I think the big 12 is so volatile and teams go in and out every year. I mean, look at Baylor. Baylor was in the championship yeah. last year. Where are they at now? Like this yeah. is a, this is a ever changing conference. And I think that's what makes it really exciting because it's not only that you have that mixed in with this whole jambalaya of people caring about their teams that is that yeah. is the biggest part is like people care about their teams and i think it's just gonna be fun and so yeah. i don't for people who are maybe like nervous or downtrodden about like going into the big 12 especially after maybe the national championship game gives you hope maybe it doesn't probably 
I would think doesn't, but uh, I think it's, I think it's going to be really interesting. I mean, there's going to be a lot to play for in year one. And especially it's not like we're going in this and saying, we have to make the college football playoff this year. Yep. And we're going in and saying, we could make the extended college football playoff. Like it's not a four team race anymore. This is a 12 team race and you don't have to be the best. You just got to be up there. Like you got to be up there with some quality wins and have them at the right time. And I think it's doable. And the other thing that I would like to point out, how many ranked teams did we play this year? Two, we played UCF or sorry, Tulane was ranked. UCF was borderline. They were like top 30, but Tulane and Arkansas this next year, we're probably going to have at least, I would think at least three, four, maybe even five, depending on how the season goes. So yeah, that yeah, changed, the league was like, the league top to bottom was better than the big 10 this year. And like on par with the sec. And I think that's the thing too. This league is very deep and any one of the 10 teams could probably win. Like Iowa state went five and set uh, five and seven or four and eight this year, but they lost like seven, one score games. Like, <laughs> they, they were right there with everybody. Uh, so I, there are no nights off in both big 12 football and basketball. And like, I do think there's something too to like being able to watch the rest of the conference and not just be like, Oh my God, like we play in this conference and, but be interested <laughs> in the other teams. Like our, our role blob guys, like they're weirdly obsessed with big East basketball, but yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've started following a lot of uh, big 12 accounts recently. Uh, and, there's a lot of like enthusiasm from the other schools about just what's going on just every night in the big 12. And like, yeah, I don't know. I saw a stat that like all five road teams won their games on Saturday in the big 12. And I was like, that, that's such a weird stat, but like, it's just, yeah. it's just so like, uh, I, I think people are just going to really enjoy having a conference to actually care about and having teams who actually care. And it's not just like UCF or Houston when they're good. <laughs> like yeah everybody the, cares uh, all the time the thing that i'm looking forward to the most i think we had touches little bits of this here and there i have never really noticed this as a continuous thing in the american but i've seen it from the big 12 i've seen it from the sec i've even seen it from the pac-12 very rarely though i feel like pac-12 is just its whole own whole own island out there but we got a lot the, of different the amount stuff of going on out here <laughs> the amount of twitter like accounts that like gang up on one big 12 team for a night or like two nights. And it's like, everybody like has like frenemies and like a, there, there's like your true hatred. And then there's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. And like, I think that like creates such a cool like atmosphere for a conference that the American it's like, all right, we jaw back and forth with UCF and that is it. Like, you might have a Memphis fan come in your mentions with a lot when we lose to them, but it's, they never fight back in the American and they never go on the offensive when they win. Like, it's just, there's no, there's no, there's no well, animosity and there's no excitement. I think this is what's going to be so much fun is just being able to. I think East Carolina shit. was more, was too concerned with like actually like pressing uh, charges against our players <laughs> yeah, to actually real. just talk trash. But um uh, they, they were a little bit too concerned about the law aspect of stuff. But uh, other than that, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. There's not really many conferences, uh, teams in this league, in this current league, the Bearcats are in where you can talk trash to. And um, there, uh, just, just to say it, like 
there wasn't really much else to talk about. Like I didn't really want to harp on the Bearcats too much. Like they're all right. Not great. Uh, Bearcats basketball, not great. Not bad football. Next game isn't, you know, for another eight and a half months. So <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was cool just to be like, you know, part of a conference in the you know, next year that I feel like we're going to have so much fun just like doing all this stupid, like little stuff, you know, like yeah. did you see the K-State fans doing that or something. I don't right. know. I, I'm just so ready for that because like not a single Wichita soul, I think even <laughs> entered like the UC Twitter atmosphere. Oh no. Last Thursday night. And like that, um, I follow a couple of Houston accounts now from the uniform tracker account. And like one guy that was, I don't know, he just kept like weirdly taking shots at UC. I was like, do we have beef? Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I've never cared at all about like Houston and anything, but I guess since we're going to the big 12 now, we got to start just picking fights about stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited. I'll, That's all. I'll leave you off with this one final question. Of all of the games, not even not even a road trip, so don't even implicate a road trip, of all of the potential games that we could have next year, what is the one team that you have to play next year in football? Uh uh, well, it's it's weird to say, but probably Texas. You know, just because like they're they're leaving, they want to leave early and they're leaving. And Mm -hmm. I kind of want to like stick it to them. And even if we don't beat them, like, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, we we might beat them. They like losing to to not great teams. So like we we could, you you don't know. Um, If if I were to say a team that is staying, though, in the Big 12 um, or or coming, I I think it would be cool to go, you know, obviously you got to play West Virginia. Like that's, that's the yeah. thing, you know, you, you have to, but um, I am excited about going to see like, you know, Oklahoma, uh, like Oklahoma state. And like, uh, I, I like think like the paddles would be cool. Um, TCU, apparently they don't have a fan base, so you might get some cheap tickets if you live in the Dallas area <laughs> or if you want to fly down for that game. So um, I, because I've been following like a couple of different accounts and like, there's a bunch of jokes are, that I already started picking up on, but um, really though, like my last one, um, if I were ranking them, probably like K-State. I've heard like really good things about like oh, yeah. K-State that where their campus is. And I've heard like it's pretty cool. So like I'd love to go see that. Yeah, I'm I think I think I'm with you on that. I, I was going to mention K-State as well. I really I really want to play BYU. I just think it'd be interesting. We had that game with them a few years ago, and I think it'd just be nice to get back right in it. And I mean. I don't know. There's something about like, I am no in nowhere near like a BYU fan. I just think that their culture is so like, it's interesting because it's so like religiously fueled. And I think it's so interesting to see like a football fan base that like constantly debates, like, what are we doing? Is sports more important than God this week? Should the players have tattoos like that, that kind of stuff? I think I would just love to like screw with a conference or with a team like that. Like, I think it'd be the most yeah. fun thing ever. You get they, Notre Dame in this conference. You have the Christians versus the Catholics versus the Mormons. Well, find somebody else. I, Put Xavier in and we'll me, have the Jesuits. Yeah. BYU to me is if like Notre Dame, but they actually cared about being Catholic, you know, and didn't care That's just true. about winning yeah. football games, you know, because we saw that ugly tweet from those BYU people a couple of weeks ago. And like, yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> there's, there's more people that think like that. Notre Dame is just like, Oh, it's a cool brand. You don't necessarily have to right. be Catholic, but 
feel like BYU doesn't have any many uh, non uh, Latter Day Saints people. Non, no non believers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You got to be a member of the uh, of the group to, yeah. to be a BYU fan. It's it's just like it's one of those things where like you don't have a kid, you know, from Middle Iowa growing up is like, I want to be a BYU Cougar. They're Mormon. I. What is that? Hold on. <laughs> just have to understand. It's yeah. just such a like. There's this glass ceiling around this program and i think it's just so interesting i'm excited to play them just because i want yep. i want to be able to have some kind of rivalry with <laughs> a religiously fueled organization all right Anyways, and justin has started a war piece. against an entire religion so that's a good way to end the podcast <laughs> well that's a good way to start yeah i guess it is <laughs> well yeah but i just bottom line though i'm very excited about it so if there's nothing else to look forward to in the basketball season for you, think about watch some Big 12 games and look forward to that next year because it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm with you on that. Well, if you've uh, not been tuning in every week, I don't know why you haven't. Keep tuning in every week from there, here on out. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this week's edition of Evil of Cats. Um, we might throw together spaces at some point for something, but we don't know yet. So with all that said, Take it easy. Go Bearcats. Let's beat somebody in basketball. (laughs) Be with the cats, baby. Sports Social Podcast Network.